Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. All right, for Pete's sake, let's think about our theme now. Please take out your talk notes. I want you to also find your Bible. And let's begin with a big idea that will frame our conversation today. Spending time with Peter. So we have been so far taking a couple of weeks, and we're in week three now, and just spending time with the Apostle Peter. And we're going to do that again today. And he's going to help us see Jesus as someone who wants all of me to follow him. So time with the disciple Peter, time with this follower of Jesus, who is faithful but flawed, and this is why we identify with him, and this is why we love him. He was certainly imperfect, and our time with him today is going to help us see Jesus as someone who wants all of me to follow him. Jesus wants all of me, not just a small piece, not just most of me. Jesus wants all of me to follow all of him. This is quite a thought. And it's what we discover in Matthew chapter 16. So please take your Bible. We're going to look at several verses in this great chapter as we allow Peter to mentor us once again. Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, Now let's pause there for just a moment and locate Caesarea Philippi on the map of Israel. You can see that it's located north of the Sea of Galilee. It's actually about 25 miles north. The Sea of Galilee, this is where we have been spending a lot of time because it's where Jesus interacted with Peter and the other followers around the Sea of Galilee. And we find ourselves here again, but a little bit north, in Caesarea Philippi. Now, here's what we need to know about this particular place. It's a beautiful location at the foot of Mount Hermon, famed as the place of Peter's confession. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. There's a beautiful conversation We're going to read about this in just a moment where Jesus is asking some questions of his followers and Peter declares something that is called by scholars his confession, his acknowledgement of Jesus as the Messiah. And this all occurs in Caesarea Philippi. In Old Testament times, a god, small g, was worshipped in Caesarea Philippi called Baal. The Greeks then, once they occupied this space, they also worshipped one of their gods, small g, named Pan. Pan's a very interesting character. He's a little out there. He's half man, half goat. And that's who the Greeks worshipped, one of their gods. And we'll talk about Pan a little bit more in just a bit as well. Here's something else. That's interesting about Caesarea Philippi. Its location allowed it to have an abundant supply of water. 
So there's a lot of water in Caesarea Philippi. And I want you just to keep that in mind as we move through our time here. So Jesus, he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And let's continue in the text. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say you are Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, and I love this scene because you can kind of picture him clearing his throat. <clears throat> I'll take this one, gentlemen. He's just bold and he has no fear and Jesus is asking some direct questions and Peter's like, I've got this one here. And here's my response. You, Jesus, are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Just a great declaration by Peter. And again, scholars call this his confession. Yes, Jesus, you, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God, greater than anyone who has come before you, greater than all of the prophets. That's who you are. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Okay, let's think about this for a moment, because it is wow, just wow. Jesus is looking at Peter, and he is affirming some things in him. It's like Peter is finally having his day in the sun, to which we say, Go, Peter! Yay for Peter! This is wonderful. He is this disciple who is bold and courageous. He is the intrepid one who jumped out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. And yes, he had shaky faith at times, and he didn't always trust. But hey, who outside of Jesus is perfect anyway, right? And here is Jesus now looking at Peter and saying, I say to you, you, Peter, you are the rock, and upon you I will build my church, and the powers of hell, other versions use the term the gates of hell. So, Peter, you are really unique and special. You are the rock, and through you and in you, I'm going to build the church which hasn't started yet, but I'm going to build it in and through you. And guess what, Peter? The gates of hell, the powers of hell will not be able to stand up against you and the church. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail against you. And Jesus has this conversation all in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Peter, I recognize you having strong character and I'm going to build the church through you and we know historically that happens. When you get into the book of Acts, the church launches and who's there as the rock with his strong character? Well, it's Peter 
And so this actually comes true, but it all begins in Caesarea Philippi, which became, during this time, a religious center for the worship of Pan, this Greek god who was the god of the shepherds. And I've already mentioned to you that Pan was pictured as being half goat and half man. And Greek legend has it that when Pan would play his seven-piped flute, which I guess would take a lot of talent when you think about that. But when Pan, this unique-looking creature, began to play this flute, the nymphs who were obedient to him would begin to circle around and do crazy things and get really hyper and do obscene things as well that were all very ungodly. And this is what the Greeks believed and It's who they worshipped. Sounds like a crazy movie, doesn't it? You've got a weird-looking character stomping around who's half man, half something else, and you've got creatures flying. But that's Caesarea Philippi. It's a little out there, a little bizarre. And interestingly enough, it's in that place. I mean, Jesus could have gone anywhere else to have this intense conversation with his disciples about who do people say that I am and who do you think I am? He could have gone anywhere. That was probably a little nicer than Caesarea Philippi minus the whole pan and the nymphs flying around and doing weird things. Jesus could have gone anywhere to have this conversation, but it's interesting that he chooses this place. Caesarea Philippi's location was especially unique because It was at the base of Mount Hermon and there was a giant crack in the mountain that the followers of Pan believed is where the spirits would come and go. One scholar states that many people believe that that crack in the mountain was known and called the gates of hell, somewhat of a portal into the underworld And what the residents of Caesarea Philippi would do, those who were following Pan, is they would gather outside of that crack, that gate to the underworld, and they would also do obscene things in order to call out the spirit of Pan to be among them. There's a lot of icky things that happened in Caesarea Philippi. And when Jesus brought his followers to this place, I'm sure... They had an awareness of what occurred in this particular region. And I'm sure they got with Jesus and said, Jesus, hold on for a minute. Like Caesarea Philippi, we can't go there. That's a red light district for all kinds of craziness. And you don't belong there. We don't belong there. Certainly there's another place where we can go and have a great conversation. We don't belong in Caesarea Philippi. But yet, get this. It's in this place, Caesarea Philippi, where some icky things happened and where people were worshiping many things besides the one true God, where Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, based upon your confession, I am going to build the church through you. You are the rock. And guess what, Peter? because of your strong character and because of what I will accomplish in and through you, the gates of hell, the gates of hell 
will not be able to stand up against the church. I believe that's one of the things that's happening as Jesus has this conversation, but there's so much more, and it's really good. So are you ready for this? Okay, scholar and theologian Jerry Hollinger says this about the word rock that's found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. He says, the noun rock can be used to speak of a hardened mind or a strong character. And I believe that's Peter. But here's what's interesting. That noun, rock, that word, can also be used to describe bedrock, rock formations, a piece of rock, or rocky soil. So here's what I believe is happening here. And it's so fascinating, and I don't want us to miss this. They're in Caesarea Philippi, kind of a weird place. Some crazy things happen there that go against the values of God. They're in this place, and Jesus has this conversation with his followers. He looks at Peter and says, because of your strong character, I'm going to build the church through you. You are the rock on which the church will be established. So that's one of the things that's happening. Jesus is really affirming Peter here. Great news. But I also think Jesus is saying this. I will build my church on this rock. Or I will build my church in places like Caesarea Philippi that are way against whatever I may teach and what I may believe. Even in red light districts like this, I will build my church and with you, Peter, and with what I do in and through the church, the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. I believe Jesus was announcing through Peter and through the church and all who would engage in it that it would prevail in places even like Caesarea Philippi. So, Peter, you're going to play a big role in this whole church thing, and we're going to plant churches even in places like this, and it will prevail. I think that's what's happening here. Okay. Yay, Peter, right? This is really good news for him. He is being affirmed by Jesus. He's making great choices. He is a faithful but flawed follower of Christ, but yet here we find Jesus just saying some great things about him. It actually gets better, if you can imagine that. Verse 19, Peter, guess what? I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Peter got the keys to the city. That's what happened. In antiquity, when someone was given the keys to the city or the keys to the kingdom, it meant that they had authority and power. And that's what Jesus is affirming here in Peter. You have authority and power. The keys to the kingdom belong to you. Everything seems to be going so well for Peter. We're happy for him, right? Shake your head a little bit. We're very happy for Peter. And then, wouldn't you know, here it comes, verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, 
and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter, here's our guy, he took Jesus aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord. He said, this will never happen to you. It's not going to happen. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap. And that word trap there is fascinating. It means you are a snare or you are a stumbling block. You are an offense to me. So Peter, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And Jesus says directly to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Oh my, these are really shocking words that take your breath away. I mean, Jesus looks at Peter and calls him Satan. That's not a nickname you want from Jesus, okay? Like, he's just been talking about, you are bedrock, Peter. And I'm going to build the church in and through you. And now all of a sudden, he's a stumbling block. I'm sure that Peter was like, hang on just a minute here. Can we go back and talk about the rock thing? Because that made me feel really good. And I like that. Can we just get back to that, please? So what's happening here? Well, this is really the first time that Jesus sat down with his close followers and talked to them about what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Jesus said, here's the deal. I'm going there. I will be arrested and put on trial. I will be killed, and then I will rise again. And I don't think the followers heard the rise again part. They just heard about Jesus being killed, and that had to be shocking information for them. We've been following you. We've been listening to you. We believe in you. We have lived with you. And now Jesus shares that he's going to be killed. I even think maybe the other followers of Jesus put Peter up to this. Like, hey, Peter, you just got that big promotion, Mr. Rock, and you have the keys to the city. Why don't you go and talk to Jesus for a little bit? I think he's being kind of morbid. And we've got to talk him out of this. And so Peter agrees because he's that bold, courageous individual. I think he's feeling good about himself and about what Jesus is saying. And so he goes and he talks and Jesus responds and with very strong words basically says, Peter, you don't get it. You don't get it. This is what I have to do. I have to step into this because... This is how redemption's plan unfolds. I have to do this. And by the way, Peter, I want to invite you to be my disciple. I want you to follow me, and I want everybody else to follow me as well. That was listening to this whole conversation. Here's verse 24. Jesus then said to his disciples, after that whole Satan thing, get behind me, right? If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. 
But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Astonishing words from Jesus. Peter Rock, he confronts Jesus. Jesus says, get behind me. You are a trap. You are a stumbling block. But yet I want to invite you back into the game and everybody else as well. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, guess what? You're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. See, the fulfilled life that I think we all want, the joyous life that we often pursue can be found with self-sacrifice and self-denial and loving and serving God as well as loving and serving others. And that's what Jesus is inviting Peter and all the other disciples into that kind of story. Like here it is, Peter, self-sacrifice, self-denial, and love me and serve me, and in doing that, you will be loving and serving others as well. Jesus is reminding them about taking up their crosses as well, and this is how. This is how you follow me. Okay. What do we do with all of this? (laughs) We've got Caesarea Philippi, kind of a strange place with Pan and all kinds of craziness. And we have Jesus addressing the disciples in that location. We have Peter's bold confession. You are the Messiah. That's you. You're the son of the living God and I want to give my life to you. And Jesus is like, yes, here's the keys to the kingdom and I will build my church upon you. Peter confronts Jesus. Don't die. Jesus is like, get behind me, you are a stumbling block, but I want to invite you back into the game of giving your life to me. So what do we do with all of this? Two takeaways. Number one, never stop seeking to understand God's perspective. Never stop seeking to understand God's perspective. And what is his perspective? Well, Jesus is someone who wants all of me to follow all of him. And we lose sight of that all of the time. And when we get sideways, when we sink in the water, when life gets really troubling and we're no longer sacrificing self, well, this is a call to say, let's remember and understand God's perspective. And he's constantly calling us, not just occasionally, not just here and there, not just in bits and pieces, but Jesus is constantly calling me to sacrifice all of me for all of him. Let's remember that. And then the second takeaway is God is still actively building the church. So contribute. Contribute. And uniquely, Valley Point is a story of people contributing over 48 years, and God has been and is and will continue to build his church right here. And we do that when we love God and serve God. And this is how we love and serve others as well. So, never stop seeking to understand God's perspective. This is what we learn from sitting under the mentorship of Peter for a little bit today. Don't stop seeking to understand God's perspective. All of me for all of Jesus. And then let's remember, God is actively building his church. Contribute 
And we can do that with the promise of God that his church will prevail. Even the gates of hell cannot conquer this. That's a wonderful promise. I have a benediction that I want to share with you that kind of encapsulates all of this. You'll find the benediction in your talk notes, and I would encourage you to follow along with that, or it will be on the screen as well. But I don't want you to say this benediction. I want you to just let these words fall on you for a moment, because these are intense words that call all of us to set aside self and to sacrifice and be willing to give up everything. And so I don't think we can just flippantly say this. Like, we really need to be serious. And I want you to take that benediction. And throughout the week, just think about seeking to understand God's perspective and know that God is still actively building his church and we need to contribute. And when you get to a place where you, with humility, can offer that prayer up, I would encourage you to do that. Have a sweet moment with Jesus. Okay? Where all of you, all of you, thinking about all of Jesus. So here's the benediction. Lord, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And may God give us the courage to live that way and passionately pursue Jesus. Father, We are thankful for what we read in Matthew chapter 16. Peter's confession. What a moment he had. Thinking about you. Recognizing you. Responding to you. And boy, you really honored him. You did. But then there is this confrontation where Peter kind of loses it for a bit and With his courageous approach, he tells you, you shouldn't be doing something that was your whole reason for coming. And you called him out for that. And then called him back into taking up his cross. Self-sacrificing. And in a spirit of self-denial to follow you that way. God, would you just help all of us here today from our time being mentored by Peter to understand that Jesus wants all of us. God, my confession to you is often I hold back and I'm not always willing to say, give me plenty or give me nothing. I like the plenty. And I confess that to you. And so often you provide that. And I've been blessed. And I'm sure many people here feel the same way. 
God, would you help me and would you help all of us to get to that place where we are willing to take up our crosses and deny self and sacrifice, knowing that when we do that, we step into the joyous presence of living for you and serving you. And in doing that, we're loving and serving others as well. So help us to get there this week. God, I pray, whatever it looks like for everyone here, help us to find that time where we can get alone and and take that benediction and say, okay, God, these are really scary words and I'm not sure I'm approaching this with fear and trembling, but yet I want to offer it up to you. God, help us to have a sweet moment where based on what we see in Peter, we just respond to you this way. Help us to inconvenience ourselves. Help us to leave the security of the boat like what we saw Peter doing last week and go out on the water and walk toward you and with you. Help our church to continue to share the story of what a life committed to you can do. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Just say, God, here's what I think you're whispering into my heart right now. Here's what I think you want for me. Just talk to God about that for a moment. Father, all of these prayers being lifted up to you right now. Work in each life. Work in each heart. So that all of us belongs to all of you. We pray this now in the sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.